0: Good morning, church. Wow. I missed that part about the ladies. I was like, wow. I'm like, apple cider, pumpkin carving. I'm like, I don't even remember about this. Well, now I know why. Wasn't included. Friday night, Friday night, I attended a worship concert. Um, some of you saw our post. We went and saw Brandon Lake. And Brandon Lake was uh, one of the singers with Maverick City Music and with Elevation Worship. And he's written a lot of songs with Stephen Furtick. And so Brandon Lake went on his first ever solo tour. And the first leg of his solo tour was here in Roseville. So we got to be a part of his first ever tour. And while I was there... I stopped, and I was smelling the roses, and I was praying, and I said, God, show me something here tonight that I need, and um, Stephen came out, and he did a Q&A, a live Q&A, and we spent extra money so that we could go be a part of this early bird, upfront seating Q&A. And the first question that he picked on his first live tour for his first Q&A ever came from Bibiana Jackson. And, um, And I thought that was really fun. But, you know, we listened to him speak, and as a believer, I question everything. I question everything. Where are these guys' hearts at? They're making millions of dollars now. What do they want? Are they out here doing it 100% for God or 97% for God and 3% to flip a script and get the world excited? And I listened to Brandon Lake's heart. And I turned on my discerner. And I felt he was genuine with his worship. I felt he was genuine with who he was. I really did. And, um, and there was just key things he said that I said, only somebody who's genuine would say that. And anyway, so I was praying for God to show me something while we were there. And in the midst of a room full of believers, and as many times as I've seen this in the last five years, I took a look around and watched how at one point I stopped and I looked around, and every single person sitting around me in every direction was disconnected from their neighbor, and they were in their phone. Everyone. Every person. The young, the middle aged the old, all of them. Anyone who had a phone, they were not talking to their neighbor. They were in their phone. While we were getting ready for the worship to start. And I was like, wow. And um, sometimes I'm like, this is like evil. This is the most distracting device ever created. Ever. If you'd get to know me long enough, I'll tell you that the 40-hour work week was the devil's greatest invention. To get you away from your family, keep you busy in a place where you can't talk about Jesus, or you'll get fired. Think about it. See, we don't think that way. We look at the surface of everything. We're like, well, I have to go to work and pay my bills. Yeah! That's the lie! That's the distraction! That's what the world's created to be normal for you. You know who's the ruler of this world. And so um, so I I was watching all this happen, and I was praying, and I was like, what do you want me to see here, God? I was like, what do you want me to bring to the rivers? What do you want here? I'm like, Lord, we keep showing up every week faithfully. What do you want us to do different? What's new? Because I can't do it the river's old way. Because you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Right? I'm like, we need something new. And I was and I was and I was I was thinking about everything that we do. I prayed about all this. And the worship was going on, and, and I was in the zone and I was praying, and I just kept saying, God, show me something tonight. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the concert very much because I will be the first person to say, I'm not a music buff. I'm not. Chris, we listen to you play music in all your, mu- your videos. I need something going on, but I'm not a music guy. I don't like going to concerts and standing somewhere with total chaos and noise going on around me for three hours. I don't. I don't like to sit there and listen to the song for seven minutes and 28 seconds. I don't have that kind of time. I'm not a music person. I'm not. Never have been. Get in my car, drive home right now. There's nothing on the radio. I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to music that way. So I'm getting in the weeds. So I'm praying and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in it, you guys. I was in it. I enjoyed the worship that night. And I was like, what are we missing? You see, we get up here sometimes and I was listening to the music. Every song got you on your feet. It got you jumping in the air. It got you waving your hands. It got you singing. And I've been to a lot of churches over the last 40 years. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a worship service besides one church. One church out of all the churches I went to. One church. When music started and worship started, every person was on their feet. Everybody was drunk in the spirit. Everybody was fired up, worshiping God, crying, raising their hands. They were excited. They loved it. They were getting into it. They wanted to praise Jesus. And at every other church I go to, we sit in the back and we're like this, like, I'm carrying the TV. You guys have seen the joke, I'm carrying the TV? Or how about this one? I'm holding up the walls. and I'm looking around at what everybody else is doing. Guilty right here, or I'm sitting in my seat just watching. There's no life in that worship. Sorry, not sorry. I was listening to that song, and I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to say it. Spirit, lead me. Where my trust is without borders, let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. I want every person who walked in this building today on your two feet to stand up. She didn't walk in. <laughs> I thought ahead about how I was going to say this and not have D have to stand up. I said D did not walk in. Everybody, wa- everybody else walked in. I want you to think about what it is you want God to do in your life. I said I want you to think about what it is you want God to do in your life. Not what you hope he's going to do. What you want God to do in your life. And I want you to think about that right now. And I want everybody to raise their hands. I want everybody to raise your hands as best you can. We all have shoulder injuries. Rotator cuffs blown out. Just get your hands where you can. I'm going to start praying out loud over this church. And I want to hear all your voices praying out loud to God for what it is you want. I want to hear our voice. I want us to let the Spirit right out of us. If you're at home, I want you to stand up. I want you to put your hands up and I want you to pray. Let's go. You guys are praying and I'm praying. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for what you're doing here, Lord. I ask that you rain down your spirit on us, Lord. I ask that you just come into this place and you shake us up and that you shake our hearts and that you stir in us, Lord, a heart of worship, a heart of praise, a heart of love, a heart of faith a heart of hope, a heart of fearlessness, Lord, that we lean on you, Lord, that we walk in the Spirit, Lord, that we quit walking in fear and we quit walking defeated, Lord. I pray that you lift us all up and rain on this church right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh. All right. So how I want to see worship next week. I'll see everybody standing up excited. Okay, you can all sit down. I'm sorry. Oh. I want to live in the spirit that way. What you just heard that's the Holy Spirit coming out of a man. That's the Holy Spirit rising up and turning on the fire and speaking truth. And there's other days where I walk around like, oh, darn life's so tough. Oh, geez. Oh, I didn't act well there. I probably offended that person. What are they going to think of me? Who cares? Start walking in the Spirit, walk on faith. God loves you. God loves you. Haters gonna hate. The world will hate you for doing what is right. Yes? The world will hate you for saying what is right. Your friends for hate will hate you for doing what is right. Your friends will hate you for saying what is right. Your family will hate you for doing what is right. Your family will hate you for saying what is right. Why? Because your light shines on their darkness. And when the light shines into the dark, it brings everything there to light. And they will hate you for that. Just like they hated Jesus for it. Did they hate Jesus for it? Then they will hate you for it. And he told you, The world will hate you because of me. Parental favoritism, one of my favorite subjects the last six months. Parental favoritism. When you are the favorite, you will be hated. You will. You know why? It's a J word. It's an E word. Jealousy. Envy and it ends with an L word love because someone who's not a favorite feels unloved, and feeling unloved can lead people to crazy places. Have you ever been hated by a sibling because of favoritism? Or are you the favorite? What does it bring you peace to know that God doesn't have a favorite? He doesn't. He doesn't have a favorite. He sent Jesus to die so he could redeem every single one of you, not more one per- not one person more than the other. He has no favorite. You say, Jesus was his favorite. He killed him for you. He let him die for Javier. The father sent Jesus to die so he could redeem Chris. Elena. William. BB, Vicki. He doesn't have a favorite. He loves us all. Our series in Joseph points out again that God doesn't always choose the firstborn, the strongest, the most experienced. He doesn't choose those people. Oh, I'm up here in a t-shirt today in my new cool Brandon Lake shirt. You got to read the back of this shirt. It's really cool. I'll just have BB come up and model it like Vanna White. She can spin and show you the back. You can read it while I'm up here teaching. She said, Nope. God chooses the heart, He chooses hearts of obedience, He chooses the weak, He chooses the young. He chooses the ones you would never think. He chose fishermen. Stinky fishermen 2,000 years ago. Stinky fishermen. He chose tax collectors. People who were hated. He chose a Christian killer. He chose shepherds murderers, criminals on a cross, a prostitute. He chose Moses. His older brother was Aaron, and he also had an older sister. He was the youngest. He was a kid floated down the Nile, didn't want to speak, lived in Egypt 40 years as a prince, spent 40 years in Midian, Becoming the man God wanted him to be. And at 80 years old, he said, I can't talk. I can't do it, God. I'm not the right guy. And God chose him. He chose Joseph, as we're going to continue reading. He chose Abraham. He chose Johnny. And he chose me. And he chose you. Greg. You want to know why he chose Greg? Because Greg can press these keys... And open his mouth at the same time. And when I do that, there's some sort of rhythm going. And then I open my mouth and it's like a garbage can got thrown at me. (laughs) Nothing comes out. Yeah, I never should play music again. That's what happens. We are all chosen for something. Live it great. God chose Joseph to be hated. God chose Joseph to be hated so he could send him ahead to save his people. Sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Amen. There were some prophecies written by David and Isaiah about a man who wasn't going to be good looking and nothing special about him. Who was that man? Yes. Jesus. God chose Joseph the same before Jesus and God chose you the same Let's read today, Genesis 37, finishing up chapter 37. Then his brothers went to feed their flocks in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So his brothers, his ten older brothers, ten older brothers, have gone to Shechem, which is about 50 miles from where they lived, according to scholars that I was reading. 50 miles away, they're in Shechem. This is the place where Dina had been defiled, where they wiped everybody out. So it's like their land now. Remember, I told you they took the women, the children, the wealth, the livestock, they took everything. So they're in that land tending the flocks, the 10 older brothers. So he said to him, here I am, that's Joseph, and then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. Well, you remember we started this chapter about Joseph came to his father and gave a report and the report was not a good report. Do you remember that? And his brothers already didn't like him for that. His brothers already didn't like him when he came back with the bad report the first time. So now his father's sending him to go be the same, to go and be obedient. His father is sending him to go and check on the brothers and check on the fro- flocks and bring back another report. So Joseph is the man he can trust. You see that in the story? Joseph is the son that Israel, no longer called Jacob, can trust. So he said, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field. I don't know where my brothers are. Oh man. And the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan.' This is another 15 miles away. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dotham. Now this is the kind of brotherly response we all want from our family. Not really. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they ran to him. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they prayed for him. Oh, no, it doesn't say that either. Oh, here we go. They conspired against him to kill him. Wow. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Remember, he's told the two dreams in the last earlier part of this chapter. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. If they kill him, his dreams don't come true. Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. See the plotting here? But Reuben, who's Reuben? Firstborn. Already made a big mistake. Slept with father's concubine wife. Reuben, firstborn. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. Reuben wanted them to throw him in the pit, leave him there, and Reuben was going to sneak back and take him back to his dad. Got you know, One brother that had at least had his mind right. There's no accidents in God's world. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. Now, in the story, it just sounds really nice. Like they said, come here, give us your jacket, and they took it off. I'm pretty sure that's not the way it went down. You all went to school. <clears throat> they didn't just strip him of his jacket. This is one of those ugly situations you've got to read between the lines. And picture in your head what's happening here. Most likely, they violently attacked him and ripped his jacket off his back and threw him into this pit. Nothing nice about it because I'm sure if you were about to be thrown in a pit and have your tunic that your father gave you ripped off your back by your 11 brothers, I'm sure you're trying to fight back. Then they took him and cast him in the pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. How long can you go without water? Three days. You can go about 30 to 40 days without food, as Jesus did in the wilderness. You can go about three days without water, and you can go about three minutes without air. Any one of those circumstances, you go past that, you die. Right, Bill? Thank you. Bill's our military vet, medic, combat medic. Thank you, Bill. Just verifying that my information is correct. They took him and cast him into a pit, in the pimp pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. I love that. There. He'll die in the pit. I'm hungry. Beating him up and taking his jacket sure was a lot of work. I'm hungry. Then they lifted their eyes and looked and there was a company of Ishmaelites. So these were the descendants of Ishmael. There was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh, and on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah, tribe of Judah, the lion and the lamb, Judah. Judah, tribe of Judah. Jesus, tribe of Judah. Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come out and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Hmm. 20, not 30, 20, but he was sold for shekels of silver. Connect some dots, guys. Like A big board and pinpoints, and I'm tying strings and building a, yes, thank you. <clears throat> okay, they sold him for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit. So Reuben wasn't there when all this went down. And indeed, Joseph was not in the pit. And he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more! And I, where shall I go? What was Reuben's intentions on returning his brother to his father? And I, where shall I go? See, there's a motive behind a lot of things that people do. You missed that in this story. But Reuben had a motive here. Because now that his plan wasn't going to go as promised or as thought out, he cries it out in his voice. He says, the lad is no more. And I, where shall I go? He doesn't want to go back to his dad with this bad news. He's already tried to talk his brothers out of it. He was looking for redemption. So they took Joseph's tunic killed a kid of the goats and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know where, do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? Hey, you know, dad, you know that tunic that you put on Joseph 14 years ago, that one that you made him, that pretty one that he wears around that we hate? Yeah, well, you know, We were out wandering, doing the sheep, and uh, we found this tunic ripped apart. Is this Joseph's? And he recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Ten brothers deceived their father. Deception is a big part of this family. Oh, I'm such a bad person. Oh, I'm such a sinner. Oh, I don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve God's mercy. You get it? Do you get it? Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. See, they're patting you on the back and giving you a hug while they have a knife in his back. Because they've all lied to him. But he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. That's where our story ends for today. These ten brothers, they're not great guys. But you said Reuben wanted to save him. Yeah, but Reuben already slept with his father's wife. Haters going to hate. Ten brothers filled with hate. Jealousy. Envy. Who was Joseph the son of? Rachel. The firstborn of Rachel. Who did Jacob love? Rachel. Joseph was the favorite. Parental favoritism. It does wonderful things. So let's look it through my notes here some things I wrote in your bulletin number 1 through one man's obedience a nation would be changed forever through the obedience of Joseph this nation would be changed forever this was God's plan it was God's plan that these brothers would conspire against Joseph he knew their hearts he knew they did not like him And God needed him to go to Egypt ahead. And it's through his obedience of bringing his father a bad report in the beginning of this chapter. And it is through the obedience of him going out and doing his father's will, which is, those ten guys don't like me, Dad. They're fifty miles away, Dad. You know they don't like me after I told them the dream, Dad. They probably want to kill me, Dad. You think that he just they just they just wanted to kill him and he didn't vibe that? Do you vibe when somebody doesn't like you? Thank you. You know when somebody doesn't like you? How about if somebody didn't like you to the point they wanted to kill you? Do you think you would have an inkling of 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 of, of, of an idea that they dislike you that much? He had ten of them. Did he say to his father any of that stuff? No. He said, here I am. Go, 50 miles away. Check on your brothers and come back to me and let me know what's going on. You got it, Dad. I'm going to send you back. I'm going to send you to earth. And at 33, you're going to be beaten and tortured to die on the cross. You got it, Dad. In spite of his brother's hate, Joseph was obedient to his father. What was he asked? He was asked again to bring back a report. Let me know what's going on out there, son. I trust you and I don't trust them. I love you more than I love them. Scholars wonder why the men had traveled to Dothan. I was reading about this in my notes and, and uh, in a commentary because I didn't understand why these men had went on to Dothan. There's some scholars that were talking about they were thinking they were trying to work some other deals out behind their dad's back. But I don't know. Anyways, I just thought it was interesting that they went to Dothan because they were to, supposed to be in Shechem tending the flocks. But they took the flocks and traveled 15 miles further away. Usually if I had a a herd of sheep or cattle, I don't know how I would let them wander 15 miles before I caught them. So we don't know why they were there, but they went. Bullet point two, the brothers plotted to kill the dreamer. When they saw Joseph walking up in the distance and they said, hey, here comes the dreamer, let's kill him. You think that was the first time they'd ever said that? Nope. The brothers had plotted to kill the dreamer. Perhaps if he was dead, his dreams would not be fulfilled. You remember they said that? We shall see what will become of his dreams. That's what they said. We shall see what would become of his dreams. They must have plotted the same as they did to kill the men in Shechem. Remember that? Hey, you defiled our sister. Hey, I love your sister. I want to marry her. Well, that can't be because you guys are uncircumcised. You're unclean. We're going to need every man in your village to get circumcised. As soon as these guys do it, we're going to kill them all. That's what happened. As soon as these guys do it, while they're weak and hurt and healing, we're going to wipe them out. That's a heart issue. That's an issue of the heart. Number three, Reuben attempted to redeem himself. He knew he had done wrong in his father's sight. He knew he was the firstborn. He knew it was his job and duty to lead. And his brothers wanted to kill him. And he wanted to return his brother safely to his father to get back into his father's good graces. 100%. He wanted to restore Joseph to his father. That's what he wanted to do to redeem himself. He wanted to restore Joseph to his father. Because he said, hey, why don't we just throw him in the pit? But he had other plans, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So he was trying to deliver Joseph from the hands of his brothers killing him and tell him, hey, we're going to throw him in the pit. We'll let him die on his own. But secretively, he was going to take him back out and go and take him back to his father. How do you know? Because we read later in the story here that when he went back to get him in the pit, he wasn't there. And he tore his clothes and said, where shall I go? What about my redemption? My chance at redemption. He was going to go and show him and be like, "Hey, these guys wanted to kill him, but I brought him back to you, Dad. Sorry about what happened, you know, last year, so I want to be back in your graces." Cuz you got to earn your grace, right? Nope. Nope. Your grace was free. the wrath and punishment we deserve for our sinful hearts that act and think and do these things our whole lives, you don't have to do anything for it. It's given to you. It's a free gift. It's the free gift of God. The Bible says that in the New Testament. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Because there was nothing you were ever going to do to make it right with God. You weren't going to be able to take your brother back and restore him to the Father in heaven. There was nothing you can do to earn your grace. All you have to do is believe. You have to believe that that grace is free. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that there's one true God and Creator. I believe that Jesus is His Son that He sent to this earth who was died on the cross for me and that He was raised on the third day for the salvation of my sins. He was the one and one and only sacrifice for all. I believe that and it is my job to go and tell others the good news about it. That is how you redeem yourself. Not walking around and kicking your shoes. I'm such a sinner. I want to see you drunk in the spirit next Sunday. I want to see people jumping when we're singing. I got BB on film jumping. She's praising, she's jumping. I want to see it. You want to see people come through those doors? And walk in here and want to worship God next to you, then show them how to worship. Because when they walk in and they see us all depressed and sitting there with our hands at our side and we're not singing and we're staring at the ground and we're looking at our phone, you know what they're like? Sit down right here, honey. And then they just sit and they attend a couple Sundays and we don't ever see them again. Did I give you guys he persuaded the brothers to not kill him and throw him in a pit? All right. Just checking. Spirit, lead me. I pray sometimes for God to tell me stuff, and I'm like, if I get up there and I say that, how are they going to take it, Lord? And you know what he has to remind me every time? That's not what you you don't need to worry about that. That's my seed to water. But fifty percent of the time I come up here and I still don't say it. Today I prayed that I would. So what happens in point four here? The brothers secretly sell him. They sell him behind Judah behind Reuben's back? They secretly sell him. Hey. We'll sell him. We don't care what happens to him. His blood's off our hands, and we make money—twenty shekels of silver. Judah prompted for a profit rather than just killing him. Do you think they cared if he still ended up dying? The dreamer needed to die because if the dreamer doesn't die, his dream might come true. But he's not going to die by our hand. In today's society in America, if I pay somebody to go kill somebody, you're still guilty of murder, right? If you look at somebody and you want to murder them and you hate them that much, you've already committed murder in your heart, right? But back then, they didn't see things that way. Boy, the hearts were twisted back then. You want to know what they didn't have four or 5,000 years ago that you have? They didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, convicting them. The Spirit only came on a few people. Remember when the Spirit came on Saul, King Saul? And then the Lord took His Spirit away. That same Spirit lives and breathes in you every day. It convicts you, it guides you, and it wants to take you where your feet feel like they're drowning. Spirit, lead me. It wants to take you to places that are uncomfortable. How far are you willing to go? All right, they sold... I'm in the weeds here. They sold Joseph for just 20 shekels of silver. Judas would later take 30 shekels to betray Jesus. But 20 shekels and 30 shekels, they had a big value difference in that time. 2,000 years 1,500 years. Something like that. I'd have to get my timeline out and start going through my timelines again. Get my whiteboard. right here. You guys remember that? Actually, now that I'm up on stage, I'll put the whiteboard back here. You remember that? So think about it. They sold him for 20 shekels of silver. The same. They sold... They sold their coming Savior for 20 shekels of silver, the same as Judas would betray Jesus later for 30 shekels of silver. They stripped him of his gifted tunic to deceive their father later. They had a plan. They plotted it all out. Murder in the first degree. This is not second degree, third degree, accidental manslaughter. No. They plotted the whole thing out And created an alibi. Bullet point five. Carrying the bad news. I'm the oldest. I'm going to have to go tell my father about this. Reuben tore his clothes in the wilderness when the others deceived him. He thought and knew his chances of redemption were out the window. I was going to go back and save this guy. Now he's dead. The other brothers, they dipped the tunic in blood and sent it to the father. That's bad news. Wait till we tell dad his favorite's dead. What happened? Israel deceived, tore his clothes, wore a sackcloth, and mourned over Joseph. Oh, they want me to stand up. (sighs) One hand, okay? That's about all they get. Yeah, he's over there. He looks like he's fired up. (sighs) What song number is this? He's sang that verse three times already. I'm getting tired. This song is way too long. Oh my gosh, he said he's going to do a fourth song today. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm like doing two messages in one year. The deceivers tried to comfort him, but nothing could console his broken heart. There's only one thing that can console your broken heart. And bullet point six, closing out today because we're right on time. The Midianites sold him to Potiphar, an officer to Pharaoh in Egypt. Thus, Joseph's purse purpose would still be fulfilled. <sighs> The dreamer's dream was not going to be stopped. Whatever plan God has for you, it cannot be stopped. If ten people hear your plan and want to kill you, it's just part of the plan. God's will cannot be stopped. Is that how you live your life? Do you live your life knowing that God has a purpose, a will, and an end point for it? And are you living it that way? Or do you wake up every day and you say, good God, it's morning. You need to say, good morning, God. Good morning, God. I'm ready. Not, good God, it's morning. You can live optimistic or you can live pessimistic. Either way... God's going to do what he's going to do with you. Would you rather be, sound like a weak, fearful, coward, or would you rather be drunk in the spirit and walking around with your head held high, not looking back? Every time I stop and I look at my sin, I'm not moving forward. Every time I stop and I think about the weight I just lifted, I'm not doing anything to get to the next one. Even when your feelings are hurt, your body's hurt, you keep moving forward. Walk in the Spirit. Are you walking in the Spirit? I want to hear it. I want to hear you speak. Are you walking in the Spirit? Thank you, William. Are you walking in the Spirit, Bill? All right. Are you walking in the Spirit, Chris? Now you all know what you need to pray for when I tell you stand up and pray. Because that is what you want God to do for you. What do I want God to do for me? I want you to make me drunk in the Spirit, Lord. I want fire to come out of my mouth. I want everything that comes out of my mouth to be edifying for you and if sometimes something else comes out, I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to focus on that, and I'm not going to let that beat me up, and I'm not going to let that stop me, and I'm not going to sit there and focus on it. I'm not going to sit there and just live in that. You're going to keep going forward, and you're going to live in the power of the Spirit. You're going to live in faith, and you're going to live knowing that you're redeemed and that you're on fire and that God has a purpose in your life. Just like he did with Joseph. Even when the world hates you. Even when the world wants to kill you. The world wants to destroy you. When the world tells lies about you. Good. This is good. Thank you, Will. Let's pray. Father, Father, I thank you, Lord, for my church, family, Lord. I thank you for everything that you're doing here, Lord. I pray that you reign the Holy Spirit, Lord, on every single person here, Lord. I pray that you baptize everybody here, Lord, in the Holy Spirit that has not been baptized with fire from heaven, Lord. I pray that you go into their heart right now, Lord, that you reside in there, Lord, that you take up residence, Lord, that you come out of there, Lord, that you speak out of that person, Lord, that you fill their heart, Lord. I pray that you fill this church, Lord. I pray that you fill all these seats, Lord. I pray that the fire just streams out of us, Lord, in our daily lives, That everywhere we go, we meet somebody and we start telling people about Jesus. And we start telling them that you're real. And we start telling them that you love us. And we start telling them everything about you, Lord. And that we invite them to go somewhere and worship you, Lord. And when they go and worship, they don't stand there like they're holding TV, Lord. They're jumping around. They're on fire. They're singing you praise. They're grateful. They're thankful. And they're in love with you. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.